Hi, Zach. Hi, Stephen. What are we doing right now? Uh, we're recording a podcast. That's what we're doing. All right, cool. Uh, what kind of podcast is this? This is a... Um, there are, like, two types of podcasts in my experience. There's the we are going to provide information to you type of podcast, which is like the New Yorker podcast and that kind of thing. And then there's the Cortex or Hello Internet or that kind of thing, where they just kind of sit around and you get to listen in on a conversation. And we are much more a conversation podcast than a providing information <laughs> podcast, just to get that out of the way. I would agree with that. All right, well, uh, let's uh, start with some background info about us, I guess. Um, my name is Steven, and... Um, I am a senior in high school at the moment, uh, and uh, I don't know. I guess you'll learn about more about me as we go through this. Uh, this is not an interview, although I'm acting like there it is one. He is legitimately buttoning his shirt higher at the moment, just so <laughs> you're all aware on the audio. Um, and I'm Zach. I am a freshman in college now, which, like, ah. Uh, um, but we attended the same high school, and so that is how we know one another. And this high school is not a normal high school, is it, Zach? No. Uh, so, yeah, so the high school we went to was called Cirrus, and it is a project-based, student-led charter school, which is crazy all the time. No exceptions yeah. whatsoever. Uh, so what does that, like, even mean, Stephen? I'm so confused. What is this project-based charter school thing? Please give me the uh, spiel, oh, as you would. The spiel. Um... Well, uh, the project-based part of it is meaning that we uh, really do all of our learning through doing projects, uh, doing research, and making things to assist with our learning. Uh, the student-led portion is that we don't have teachers, really. Uh, it's all self... You, you do it everything yourself. Um, you make the idea for the project, you think about what can you learn by doing this project, and then you do the learning, you make the, pro the project itself, and then, um, and then you present it to a teacher, and then they grade it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty different, I'd say. But uh, yeah, we, re That's... we really liked it, so. Yeah, sounds pretty neat to me. <laughs> I'm going to open up my notes from this class and just read to you what the last note that I took in lecture was. All right, I'm excited. And clicking. So I have a class that I am not a huge fan of. Um, it's digital logic, which is actually really interesting information. A lot of it is how um, computers utilize binary and other number systems, mainly binary, because that is just what is easiest with electricity, and turn that into the stuff that we use every day like audio recording programs or video or calculators, what have you. But I am not a fan of the lecturer of this class. Mm. Um, so to give you some context or to give you a sample of what his classes are like. So we're learning about Carnog maps in this class, K-maps, um, and I'm not really sure what they mean, so I could not explain it to you because, as I'm going to get into, this lecturer is not my favorite lecturer. So, for some reason, by some means, you get a Carnog map, and it does something here. Um, and what happens is you end up drawing a whole bunch of squares in one bigger rectangle, 
And those are all of the different possibilities of a binary input. And then you find the min values, which I am also very confused about. And I understand that I could get this from the book, but it's frustrating that he just kind of glazes over the why behind it during a lecture. So I'm sitting in lecture yesterday, and he's talking about how to use Carnog maps, and I get very frustrated and write, Neat trick. You can find adjacent squares in a table by looking at the squares that are freaking right next to them. <laughs> because he spent maybe ten minutes explaining how to locate the adjacent squares to a square. So that's my digital logic class. And I feel like that is the class that is most going to be griped about mm. in this podcast. I see. Do you have any pens to talk about? Uh, no. I got some honey ink, but it's like, I haven't actually had a chance to write with it yet. Gotcha. I have been working on my cursive, and just like every other night writing something in cursive, because I needed it. My cursive was atrocious. My cursive is atrocious, but it's getting better. Um, and on the Pen Addict podcast, they were talking about the cursive logic workbooks that they have, and so I'm looking into that. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I haven't gotten anything yet. I have a very bad way to train cursive, which is just to keep writing, uh, regardless of if your cursive is good or not, which is okay in theory, but at some point you need something to... Uh, it's not going to get any better, you know? Because yeah. you're just going to keep doing the same bad cursive over and over and over. And, yeah. Yeah, my, my trick is usually write one sentence, like, per night. And then every word that you didn't do the proper way in that sentence, just write, like, ten times. Or until you get it right, either way. Hmm. Makes sense. Apple is probably going to release an AR thing. Uh, Descriptive. We know this, we can infer this at least, because Tim Cook says something about AR every other week. Um, also, it would be really freaking cool, and I want them to do it, so they're going to, right? Yeah, that's how <laughs> Apple works, always. <laughs> they just do everything that you wish that they would do, like, I don't know, have a touchscreen thing with a file system. <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> Um, but, like, so what has Tim Cook said about AR? Uh, I'm pretty sure he said it's the future, and I think he said something about it, like, it, it just generally being cool, and that Apple may or may not have teams of engineers working on it all day and night. So is Apple uh, going to be the first company to bring a music visualizer to AR, then? Yeah, that's cool. You know, really just bringing Tim Cook's vision of Apple through the modern century? I mean, that'd be nice. Uh, they were talking about it on Twitter, I think. Um, somebody was super adamant that they were going to do an AR thing. Also, that the 10th anniversary iPhone will be, like, edge-to-edge -edge or, like, made completely of glass somehow, which would be awesome, it, even if the battery life was, like, an hour. I'd be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, that like, would be... I mean, I'd... No, I wouldn't be okay with it. I would be quite angry if I had a one-hour battery life, but I would... Or they could put all of the new, like, modern components into the original iPhone body and then just use all of the extra space for battery. Dude. And that's the 10th, that's 10th anniversary. Excellent. Don't even... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, yeah, they did this pretty much the same thing with, uh, I mean, a bit opposite. They did that with the uh, iPhone, what was it called? It was uh, SE, and where they took all the components of a iPhone 6S and put it into the old iPhone 5 or 4 or something body. Yeah, it's a lot less design you gotta do. Yeah, right. It's just uh, plastic. Wasn't the wasn't the 5C uh, just a re, like a different hardware and an iPod Touch? I think so, yeah. Or was... You were probably right. It was just like the phone version of the iPod Touch. Mm-hmm. On the vein of Apple always doing everything you want them to do, I was really hoping that Apple would come out with either an iPad Pro that you could actually write apps on, or a MacBook with a touchscreen or pen input on the touchpad or something. Something that you could use a pen and also a file system. That is the goal. Apple did not do that. Microsoft did. So I am currently sitting here with a Surface Book performance base in front of me, which is not everything I could have wanted, but everything I wanted hardware-wise, at least. Um, It has some issues, though. As you can assume, it is Windows. Every once in a while, I will close my computer and walk away, and I will come back and my computer will have restarted and all of my tabs are gone and all of my open programs are gone. No. And that's not... Yeah, that's not a neat thing. But it's a thing that happens sometimes. But I got my first blue screen the other day. My first BSOD. Ooh, wow. It's like just sort of initiation, right? Yeah, it is. I feel like a real, true Windows user now. (laughs) Um, I was... I think I had OneNote open, and I was trying to switch apps, so I did the three-finger swipe up to get the multi-app view... And it didn't respond, so I did the three-finger swipe up, and it didn't respond, so I did the three-finger swipe up, and it blue-screened. And it's actually, like, not a bad process at this point. It's just frowny and, like, displays a couple lines of text, like, oh no, something went wrong, for, like, a minute, and then it shows a percentage, like, loading thing that is actually accurate, which is Hmm. crazy. Wow. Um, and then I think it's a QR code that's either like, what does a blue screen actually mean? Or it actually says what your issue was. I didn't bother to scan it. And then it just reboots and all of your programs come back in. And it's actually like ideal would be not having a blue screen at all. But second to that, having such a painless blue screen is actually really nice. All right. Well, um, Skype is freaking out. So hold on a second. It's Microsoft. Microsoft yeah, hears it's... me bad-mouthing them in their breaking <laughs> Skype. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first two years of a charter school, you get a significant grant. Uh, that is money. You get an amount of money from the government to buy things for the school. And with that money, we uh, the school bought a really, really powerful um, computer we named Thor. Um, it's got a Titan X in it, and it's just quite impressive, really. Um, but that thing blue screens all the time. Really? Not doing anything, yeah. It's like, she'll be running SolidWorks, and it'll just like, oh, bye, were you working on that? Sorry. So yeah, oh. that's that's annoying. Wow, yeah, that's... But we live with it because it's really the only thing that can run SolidWorks. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's really odd. And, like, it's hand-built, too, so maybe, yeah. maybe we just picked the wrong components. Yeah, I'm sure it's just, like, a compatibility thing with the motherboard and the graphics card because it i mean and it's on windows 7 so the blue screen isn't nearly as nice it oh, no. it looks scary it looks scary 
So Liam did it the other day and didn't know that I did it, and he freaked out. Like, he was, he came up to me and he was like, Stephen Thorpe blue screened, and, uh. <laughs> All right, that's, I actually have I mean, not heard. totally not Liam that I'm anonymizing. Some dude. Some dude was using Thor. <laughs> I listened to uh, an information, not an information, Internet of Technology podcast a while ago, and they would say, OK Google a lot, just like, and so you'll do like an OK Google, get me my groceries or whatever. And everyone who listened to the podcast, their phones would go off. So they ended up just having to bleep like it was a swear. OK Google. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think Twit set their Alexa to be, com- say, uh, computer, like uh, like Star mm. Trek style, so that they could, if they wanted to talk about her, they would say the A word or Echo, or if they needed to demo it, it would be computer. Yeah. But then what happens when you've got, like, this week in computer hardware? Uh, that is a good question. It is not, uh, nothing... It hasn't been a problem yet, as far as I can tell, unless they just edit that out. Um, <laughs> I do. I don't listen to it live, so ah, uh, yeah. Maybe you have to say it like computer. <laughs> Maybe Amazon is that uh, sophisticated. I mean, at that point, why don't you just have like a sample on your phone that you can play that just does the exact level of computer, the right? I, I think I, I took that I, the wrong direction. That went the, <laughs> the opposite direction of what was desired. Yeah, it's not super practical at that point. But, all right. you know what one of the neatest features of the Amazon Alexa was? When it came out, it had a really sick speaker. I mean, yeah. What is? <laughs> you're laughing, I don't know why. And the microphone array? Oh, I mean... <laughs> yes, this is, a, this is the age-old problem of Alexa. It's just that it, it hears itself. <laughs> it's a problem. I'm sure it's a problem we are going to have to solve. They solved it in the Amazon commercials. Uh, the Amazon Echo commercials will not light up your Alexa anymore. Do they just, like, hard code in? I mean, I my theory is that they put a tone in the commercial that mm. we don't really hear because of the music or whatever. Yeah. And the, but the, the Alexa does hear and won't and is disabled for the next, whatever, 20 seconds. All right. That, that actually sounds really logical. I was actually trying to segue you imperceptibly into the next subject, though. Oh, 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 I see. <laughs> God darn it. Okay. Well, that was very smooth and I missed it entirely. <laughs> so, Zach, if you disabled the microphone array on your Alexa, yeah, do you think it would be able to hear you? Because, I mean, I, I am a security-conscious individual, so I don't want my internet of things device listening in on me to like get instructions or whatever so i would hope that if i like checked the turn off microphone thing or just ripped out the microphone entirely that amazon wouldn't be able to hear me that's not the case actually what Um, (laughs) so speakers are just reverse microphones right instead of hearing sound they make sound by making frequency in the air from air molecules basically they Go back and forth until you hear sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it follows that you could talk into a microphone and make that speaker move a little bit. And that will in turn create some electrical current because it's a magnet and it works both ways. 
Oh, so it's like the so, um, the hot and cold things. I this is a very bad uh, description. Um, the <laughs> I don't remember the technical term, but they keep your things cool in those little USB refrigerators. Uh, yes, I know what you're talking about. They're they're a little bit of hardware that if you um, it will take all of the heat from one side and put it on the other side, or take all of. Yeah, it'll take all the heat from one side and put it on the other side. So one side of this bit of hardware is very cold and one side is very hot. But what you can also do is geothermally power a Raspberry Pi by sticking one end of it on like a stove, probably not a stove, they don't handle temperature that well, and the like covering the other end of it with an ice pack. And you've got what is yes. effectively a geothermal or a thermal generator, not necessarily geothermal. So yeah, so it's, it, a, it's a problem because, well, not a problem necessarily, but even if you bought a computer or IoT thing without a microphone in it, technically it can still be used to hear, listen to you if you have a speaker. Obviously it's not a very good microphone, but it works like decently well. Some security researchers somewhere found it. I will pull up the link and put it in the show notes some at some point in, in the near future. So the trick is just never be interested in any audio. Yes, don't, no speakers, no microphones, nothing, if you want your privacy intact. Also, yep. don't use the internet, live in a forest in the cabin. Um, make sure there's a good uh, tree cover so they can't get you with the satellites. Yeah. So, Zach, I'm interested about this thing you put in the agenda. Uh, Congress people are no different ge- from geeks who make Unix programs. <laughs> yes, I am 100% convinced of this. So... Just to give you a little bit of information, in old Unix systems, they needed a way to handle electronic mail. Email, as it were. Um, Whoa. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) they developed a program that could handle uh, different email protocols and get your email and read it out to you and display it as text. And you could archive it, probably not archive it, but you could delete it and do different things. And this program was called Elm, Elm, E-L-M electronic mail um as tools do eventually it fell out of style and just no longer lived up to what people needed it to do so uh, another group of unix geeks decided to make the program pine which was just an alternative to it that worked a little better uh and they did not name it pine initially they just knew that they needed to name it something other than elm they already had had elm but mm. they needed to, they really wanted to at least keep with the tree motif. So they were going through all of these options and all of these options, and they finally landed on pine. And do you know what pine stands for? I do not. Pine is not elm. What? <laughs> no. Oh, that's terrible. Which is actually really common uh, a lot of times. Like wine, the Windows emulator, is wine is not an emulator. Um, GNU is not oh. Unix. I okay. I uh... <laughs> there's a lot of different recursive uh, naming schemes like that. All so right. a lot of these different tools are backronymed is the term that you use, where you have a, a name and then you kind of want to fit it to something else, and you go really weird and esoteric just to get it to fit to that name. Additionally, 
I was trying to be a politically conscientious citizen, uh, learn about the things that my representatives are doing. As a citizen of Wisconsin, one of my senators is Senator Tammy Baldwin. So I was scrolling through looking at different things she's voted on, bills she's uh, voted yay or nay to, and different bills that she has sponsored, which is just like, hey, I think it would be neat if, and then they write a whole bunch of legalese stuff. So I was looking through Tammy Baldwin's, uh, so I was looking through Tammy Baldwin's list of sponsored bills, and I found one that is essentially like, hey, isn't it really confusing how soy milk isn't actually milk? Which I don't entirely understand. (laughs) That's not a thing I needed to be defended from. Thank you very much, federal government. I appreciate you in many ways. But one of those ways is not uh, clarifying the naming of soy milk. Like, I think I got that much covered. (laughs) So, But Zach, how do you milk an almond? I, is this a joke or an actual question? Uh, kind of both, actually. I, I have no idea the process of making almond or soy milk. Um, I always kind of imagined it was like juicing, like you just throw it in something and I mean, I guess, it down. but like... So carrying on. Uh, to defend the American populace against the confusing nomenclature of almond milk, uh, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin has floated this bill, or sponsored this bill, the Defense Against Imitations and Replacements of Yogurt, Milk, and Cheese to Promote Regular Intake of Dairy Every Day Act. Which, because everyone is a geek who needs to use backronyms, can be shortened down to the Dairy Pride Act. Which I found amusing. It's about as uh, it as is. far as that uh, goes. <laughs> does that count as recursive? It does use dairy in the name. Well, yeah, but the, the dairy there is not defined as the same dairy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Re- it's not a recursive backronym. Uh, I wonder. Okay, so we've established our recursive backronyms. Are the recursive acronyms like was someone like I'm going to make this recursive? Do people do that? Why Probably. would there's you at do least that? one? I, I don't know. Someone did though. I am one hundred percent sure someone did. Yeah, for sure. But why? Like, if it isn't a word, just, you just on. name it the like thing. That? PHP has power. Oh, never mind. It's personal homepage. Dang. Isn't that what HTML is oh, for? Wait. No, 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 no. It's, uh... No, it's PHP hyper... No, it's... Yeah, it's PHP hypertext preprocessor. Or wait, maybe it's not. <laughs> okay, hold on. There's there's some confusion. Oh, no. Wait, there's okay, like 17 so 17 does... different ways... Hold on. Okay. Does the PHP language have a preprocessor for the language that is PHP? I pre- okay, me. no. <laughs> I, uh, here, here's on the PHP website. Uh, PHP.net says PHP uh, stands for PHP Hypertext Preprocessor. It's recursive. All right. Neato. And it doesn't doesn't mean anything at all. No, it's not even like a word. That's weird. Yeah. That's That seems like an acronym, not a backronym. Unless someone just loved those letters. Well, we can't call it HP because there's already something called that, maybe. Let's call it PHP. Can we make it P or can we make it HPP? No, that's too confusing. That's yeah. That's the only train of thought I can imagine. I did yeah, not try very hard though. I don't. I don't know. I you can't do the thing like usually with words. You can just Google the etymology. Like linchpin, I learned actually has nothing to do with racism or the South. Um, 
it's I I need to also look up the word etymology with that. Here we go. Um, <laughs> linchpin is old English for something. This was more clear last time I looked it up. Axle tree, axle tree pin. I think that's what it means etymologically. Um. All right. Well. Um. But you can't you can't just look up like PHP etymology, can you? Here's a Maybe. history of PHP. That's the first thing that comes up. Well, all right. <laughs> it is known today. Uh, it's the successor to a product named PHPFL. No, you're supposed to put more letters on, not less. Which at that point to... was personal homepage tools. Oh, okay. That, I guess that makes sense. So they renamed it to be recursive, and it's an acronym. It is a recursive acronym. I guess. Winner. I, I guess win. you're right. You <laughs> you won that one. <laughs> um, so that is really very tangentially politics, but. All right. Well, I have some actual politics. I have I, some. Yeah. Uh, well, not not that the Dairy Pride Act isn't actual politics, but it's not what I mean. Not really. the sensationalized politics you hear about in the media. Yeah. I made many faces uh, while I was saying that. I can confirm he made many faces. Uh, so, like I said, I was taking, I think I said this before, uh, I'm taking an AP government class. And we learned about the Supreme Court recently, and the court system in general, and how the Senate can, um, well, they have to approve the judicial appointees, which is, I think is common knowledge. Yep. Um, what may be not common knowledge is how filibustering works in the Senate. And filibustering is speaking for a very long time uh, and until, so to, to, to delay the action of the Supreme, of the Senate, because you can't make someone stop talking in the Senate without some, mm-hmm. without 60 people, um, yeah, yeah, you need a super stop. majority, I think. Yeah. It's like, um, jury nullification, it's 60%. where it's not, oh, it is 60%, but yeah, it's like jury nullification, sure where it's not yeah. a direct written law but it's just a product of multiple other laws or multiple yeah. other rules yeah so what the fun thing is is um the rules about filibustering are all made up by the senate so the senate makes their own rules the majority specifically makes their own rules which currently is the republicans so if they wanted to they could say to stop someone from filibustering you just need a simple majority and then you could say, um, okay, yeah, you guys shut up, Democrats, just and uh, just to put the new judge in, if all the Republicans agree. Wait, how does that? What what? It's called the new. It's called the nuclear option, actually, and the Democrats did it uh, during the Obama administration when pretty much the exact same situation happened. Hmm. Where the uh, the opposing party was like, no, the minority party actually uh, at the time was like, no, 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 we're gonna filibuster the heck out of this until you guys pick a new guy. But they rewrote the rules so that they didn't need a supermajority to stop the filibuster. That's so yeah. I th- I thought that was super interesting that they could just yep we're changing the rules today, <laughs> and in my opinion it kind of defeats the purpose of the Senate because it means like. The Senate is all about debate, and it yeah, it's not it's not a good idea to stop filibustering, in my opinion, because if you stop filibustering, then you can stop it for any length of time. So if you speak for 
for more than two seconds, we can stop you at any time. Oh, no, that's not... That's yeah. not cool. That's and not okay. And the minority party can't uh, talk at all, actually. Oh, God. Oh, no. But it hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it will at some point. That is distressing. Yeah. I, on the subject... I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of um, yes, the Senate being about debate and compromise and reaching agreements, um, I found it really interesting with this new administration that you know how like in in previous years you've kind of generally had the thought or at least i know i had the thought that like geez why can't they all just come to an agreement and find some middle ground right that is a common thought yeah that is a common thought it's a not very well informed thought but is a common thought (laughs) correct um not that it's not a good thing to come to a middle ground. I want to specify that. I'm all for compromise, except it just won't happen. Yeah, institutionally, the... at the moment, it's not yeah. a good thing. I started a new diet. Well, and then I ended it very quickly after. So, what this diet was, was um, I only ate food that is not water between sunrise and sunset. Which in Wisconsin is not very much time, actually. Uh, this time of year. So, the idea was that, um, there's two parts to it. Uh, the first is that it will, uh, your metabolism is like an engine, I guess, um, in that it has to accelerate and get to a top speed, but it's, it does that somewhat, like, exponentially, I guess. But once it gets to that top speed, uh, it'll stay there. But not if, but if you eat again then it'll go back down because it has to, if we're using the car analogy, it's like if you dropped more weight into the car, it has to speed up to that top speed again. Mm -hmm. So if you increase the amount of time that your metabolism is working at top speed, which is the time between sunset and sunrise, you can burn a lot of fat just by being alive. The second part of the diet is that if you do that, you sync up your two circadian rhythms. The one in your head, which is triggered by light, and the one in your organs, which is triggered by food. So, if you have those be at the same time, it can be good for your body, you can feel better, and... I mean, it kind of did. I'm not saying it didn't, but the metabolism thing was way more apparent, because I lost 10 pounds in two weeks. Holy cow. Yeah, so I stopped the diet after two weeks, because I am a thin person and don't need to lose any more weight. It was an interesting experience because everyone was looking at me funny when I told them that I wasn't going to eat after sunset. But yeah, um, I'm not saying that anyone else will lose 10 pounds in two weeks, but I did. So do you know um, if you still get the same nutritional benefits, it's just that you burn more of the empty carbs and that kind of stuff off? Uh, I think that's the idea. Uh, I was eating the same food. I was just eating it closer together. Mm Mm-hmm. So instead of eating breakfast, lunch, dinner at pretty much thirds of my awake time, I would eat breakfast, lunch at, like, the normal time even, and dinner at, like, four. Yeah, so then it cuts down on late night snacking as well. Yeah, and that's, and honestly, it really helped, because I was also participating in a, a scientific study via an app, where I just had to log everything I ate, which, I'm sure this was part of it, I was too lazy to log it on the app, so if I went into the kitchen to get, like, 
oh, I'm hungry. I'll get a piece of candy or something. Do I have... But then I have to log it, and it's just not worth it anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to get this piece of candy out of the kitchen. I experienced something similar with cheese. I was, like, really sick and realized that it was probably, like, dairy really contributes in a big way to mucus buildup and stuff. And so I was mm. trying to eliminate cheese from my diet for a couple days. And it definitely worked. Like, I felt better. Um, but also, it's just... Cheese is very good, and also cheese is in pretty much everything, especially when you're at a college dorm, and your oh, yeah, totally. main options for food are pizza, cheesesteak, cheeseburger, um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very limited. Um, so cutting out cheese, I, you know, I really just thought that it was too much of a decision to make without consulting a medical professional, and or, <laughs> I really like cheese. <laughs> It took me way too long to make a Windows keylogger, Zach. Why? I was doing this for completely legitimate reasons. I just wanted to see if I could do it. Okay. Nothing malicious, I promise. It's just, I wanted to see how hard is it to make write a little Python script to log all your keystrokes. Nothing malicious, I promise. Turns out... Nothing malicious, I promise. And then there's a little link to the, the Dropbox of it in the show notes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, seriously though, I just wanted to, like, I was bored, and it was there, but yeah, it took me, like, all day, Oh, which is way more time than I expected to be spending on this, but it, after an hour, it was a matter of pride. Yeah. So, but it got it working. It saves it, uh, in the, in the, in a, an obscure directory in the program files, and, uh. Next step is to make it remote, which I I wonder if I could do that anonymous, anonymously. Is there a way to do that? Probably. Um, I can't think of it right now. Could you have it open up a VPN? Yes, but I'd imagine you'd need administrator privileges for that. Or just have it tunnel? There'd be a way. Yeah, of some sort. Like, I'm sure there's a way. Other people have done it. Yes. <laughs> or like an anonymous... You could, I know you can have it email it to, but if you use an anonymous email... Of some sort. I'm not sure if how many anonymous email services there are. Um, a few, I imagine. I mean, there's Proton Mail. That's pretty anonymous. Yeah, I suppose we could do that. Damn it, Zach! Stop giving me ideas. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, I can relate. Most of my Python projects have gone from neat idea to matter of pride in about an hour. The Tempest is a play by Shakespeare. You may have heard of it. Uh, and in this project-based school that I currently attend, um, we're the whole class is doing a project about the Tempest, and we're all doing a different one. Uh, my group is doing, what if Miranda from the Tempest was on the Bachelorette? Ooh. So she's this is long time ago. I'm not sure exactly the century. Really quick, uh, spoiler alert. Skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want it spoiled. But can you give me like a 50 second rundown of what the Tempest is? Okay, so The Tempest, like I said, is a, is a play by Shakespeare. It um, starts off with Prospero and Miranda on this island, and they were stranded there because he gave up his power to his brother. Um, he was the Duke of Milan, I think, maybe. Uh, and so he goes and he sees that his brother and a few of his brother's... Um, I don't want to say friends, but friends, are on this boat going to a wedding. He makes, with his magic, he makes a tempest, 
and that washes them all up on the island. And there's some antics that happened, and they eventually Prospero uh, just complete character 180 and stops trying to take his power back from his brother, and yeah. All right. So carry on with your. So his daughter. So so his daughter Miranda, uh, who has never seen a man before except for her father and this slave named Caliban, um, meets this guy named Ferdinand, and Ferdinand she worships him basically because she's he is, he's quite hot compared to Caliban. Uh, but at the end of the play, Prospero says to Miranda something along the lines of. This isn't the only man out there. You should explore the world before you settle down with this one guy because it's a big world. It's way bigger than just this island you've been living on your entire life. Mm-hmm. So, our idea was, what would happen if we put Miranda on The Bachelorette? So, she's going to be in front of a bunch of guys trying to win her love. And I'm super excited for it. That actually sounds really interesting. What are... Yeah, so some modern guys I'll, and Ferdinand <laughs> are going to try to compete for her love. Which, it just sounds, I don't know, I'm hap- I'm excited for it, and... So is this going to be, like, a yeah. live uh, rendition, or just a script, or a full-on... Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's We're going to do a full-on production. Um, I'm not sure what our time limit is. It's a competition of some sort for ah. The Tempest. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so we're... My group and I are super pumped. Maso... I'm actually curious about what you think, Zach. So, Maso thinks that we should... Uh, instead of having modern guys, we should have, um... Other Shakespearean? Old-timey guys. Characters? Yeah, other Shakespearean characters. Um, and my argument was that for purely comedic effect, it'd be way funnier to see Ferdinand and Miranda interacting with modern-day people than it is to see a bunch of old-timey people on a modern thing like The Bachelorette. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a part of the humor in it is that she's being taken out of her element and then t- taking it to a whole other time period with different references and yeah. things would add another level of that. All right, cool. So I'm going to re- take that recording and t- show it to Miss <laughs> Zoe because I spent 15 minutes trying to convince her of just that. And since you're her favorite, because you're everyone's favorite. I can't. I <laughs> can't deny that. So, yeah. All right. So what is your main project in college? Uh, just getting it done, honestly. I decided to take more credits this semester than was recommended because I am a bullheaded individual who thought that I could handle it. And I can handle it, <laughs> but I will not be handling it in future semesters. Um, it's, it's doable, but not fun. Uh, so right now it's really just uh, a process of reading things and then doing the homework and then sleeping and then going to work. Um, so I haven't had too much time for personalized projects. I have been getting involved in the prototyping club here, which is um, the closest we have to a makerspace at school. So that's been really neat. Um, we've got access to the f- one of those form 3D printers that shoot lasers into a bath of the fancy liquid. Uh, lasers. We've got lasers, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we have access to a like a plasma cutter for metal though that's not in the maker space that we have um, we've got a couple lulz bots and some electronics prototyping and all kinds of different useful things for prototyping so hopefully i will get a chance to utilize those but really yeah, it's just be been cool. getting my homework done so far so <laughs> that's uh all right that's where i am yeah 
And, you know, learning or whatever, but... (laughs) (laughs) The grade is more important than the learning, Zach. Everyone knows this. (sighs) On the subject of getting my stuff in line because I signed up for too much, um, my (laughs) Todoist currently has... Let's open it up and see what my Today View has. 30 items. Uh, that one's done, actually. No, that is too many. I did that one at work. That one's done. <laughs> 29 items. <laughs> nice. Um, so I really need to to get that in line. Uh, one of the issues I've been having is that it's become a place for both uh, today's stuff and then, like, one day in the future, I would love to... Um, oh, yeah. Like, for probably a month, I had make the the crummy pun of Dear Prudence, which you can find linked in the description. And it took me, like, uh, about five minutes in the end, but just because I had other more important things to do, ended up not doing that for five months, which, or for not five months, for one month, which meant it just kept on moving from today view to tomorrow's today view and on and on and on. Um, Mm, So that's something that needs to be fixed and is in the process of being fixed but i'm not there yet yeah i had a similar issue until i went through and decided i went i use omnifocus and i went through my omnifocus and decided what was and was not important or what is a priority and i'm now using flags of some it's comparable to just like you push a button and it appears in a separate screen than the rest of all your projects mm so yeah, I flag things that are more important than other things. For example, my chapter 16 quiz for AP government. We do that online, and I have to do it on my own accord, so it's in my to-do list. So, it's in my, t- you should probably do this. If you don't do this, this is bad if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. After I clear that out, then I can, then I, I don't want to say allow myself, but I let, I go into my um, projects and go through what I want to work on today. Okay, so you you start each day with kind of to do to doist actually um, has a system like that. So maybe I could try and do that. They've got three different levels of import importance, um, which honestly is too much. Like either it is important or it is not. There's no like, well, it's important, yeah. but it's not this important. So <laughs> making an uh, ultimate decision mid podcast only extremely important or not important at all. Um, and then there are ways to do filters, so I can filter only things that are for college and important, or I can filter only things that I can do at home and are important, and then yeah, cool. otherwise go into the today view and look through everything. See, my philosophy is that if I need a filter to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing right now, I have too many things I'm supposed to be doing and should probably cut down the amount of important things on, that I think are important. Um, like, I'm now even realizing right now that there are probably things on here that I could take off of the actually super important list. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's just how I work, and you work differently than me somehow. I don't know. Weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a matter of preference, but this has... The the filters thing has been nice for me, because I do have a lot of... Like, I break down each reading and each step in the homework, if I can. Um, Just... Hmm make it as quick and actionable as I can because then it's a lot less like, well, let's avoid that entirely because it's might take an hour and all of these other things will take 15 minutes. 
Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, because I, I should do that. I should look through here and add smaller actions so that I can, you know, like a hierarchy, so that I can uh, make more checkboxes filled. Mm -hmm. Because it really does feel good. I'm sure there are studies to prove that, that if you have more things to do, but there are smaller things, then you will get more done. Yeah. Than if they were one large thing that does technically the same yeah. stuff. Yeah, I I know that the different productivity blogs and things that I've seen agree with that. All right, cool. I'm not just making this up then. Yeah. That's us, guys. Worrying Bugs podcast, not just making stuff up. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Usually, yes. Dairy Pride, maybe, but not this. <laughs> dairy Pride is legit. Do not hate on the Dairy Pride. <laughs> Oh my god, Wisconsin. Why oh, Wisconsin? I thought it was going to be like a National June Dairy Month thing, because in Wisconsin, instead of having like, well, we also do have like Black History Month, but in addition to that, we have Dairy Month in June, Yes. Um, which as a kid who was in 4-H, I knew all about because I had to be the June Dairy Month ambassador one year, and that was no. an experience. <laughs> New trend I've noticed with sleep. Um... And how you're what figuring out what time you're supposed to go to bed based on what time you wake up. Isn't it just eight so, hours before? You'd think. And I I did think for a while, but apparently not. Apparently it's way better to do seven and a half. Because your sleep cycles, your uh your light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep oh, yeah. cycle, it takes an hour and a half to cycle. So if you're in light sleep when you fall asleep, you go an hour and a half, hour and a half, hour and a half. And until you get to the time you need to wake up. Mm -hmm. And you want to be waking up in your light sleep part of the cycle because you will feel less like a train just hit you. Yep. But but also most people don't fall asleep the moment their head hits the pillow. No, yeah. The website I was using, it was uh, uh, me. Yeah, sleep. I will put that in the show notes. Yeah, sleepytie.me. They say that... Um, the average person needs 14 minutes to fall asleep. So if you just take that time that it gives you and add 14 minutes, or if you need an extra one, 15 minutes to it. As someone, though, who falls asleep to podcasts on a half-hour sleep timer and sometimes mm -hmm. goes over yeah. the sleep timer, eh. Yeah. Like, averages, as we know, are very rarely, like, actually realized. Yeah in the real world but you know if you know how long it takes you to fall asleep give or take i mean the light sleep cycle is a chunk of time it's not a specific spot <laughs> it's not exactly an hour and a half so i mean i think you can get away with a few minutes here or there so i watched the travelers and that is a show on netflix it is sci-fi and it is excellent you should watch it i don't have netflix uh oh yes right yeah. well just still, you're in a college dorm. How do you not know someone with Netflix? I, I, I probably do. I could. You should know some. You should find someone because they will gladly share it with you. Because it really isn't a problem most of the time. The device limits is like more than what is normal for a person to be watching at the same time. <laughs> I will watch five iPads at once to get the most content. <laughs> get, get iPad surround sound. Yes. <laughs> Travelers, uh, what else would you be watching on Netflix? I don't even know. Oh, you're talking like uh, on a on a swivel chair where you change every ad break? 
Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm talking like you'd watch it at all, the, all the TV shows at once. Ah, okay. To get the full effect of Netflix. <laughs> I'm thinking you position them in the right places and then you start them all simultaneously. And then you've got the sound coming at you like it's a big 5.1 system. Oh, I see. Yeah. So why not just use speakers then? Why not pay for an extra iPad? I mean, I just, I, I'm CGB <laughs> Grey and I have my 17 iPads laying around. and. <laughs> <laughs> I know, his knee down to like two or something? Or like three, but one he doesn't use at all? Three, but yeah, one is just for alarms but then he also has some of the other ones that i think he like kept or does he never he doesn't keep things <laughs> i don't know uh, who knows it's cgp gray who makes excellent podcasts you should listen to them <laughs> we'll also put that in the show notes i promise and then for my pre-spoiler recommendation i'm going to give uh dr strange which is uh Comic book movie with Benedict Cumberbatch. It's very likely you've already seen it. Um, but if you haven't, it's one of the most comic booky looking comic book movies that I've seen, which I really appreciated. I agree with that. I liked it a lot. Um, the visual effects were really cool. I liked it. Uh, it was also Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. You might as well go see it just because he's in it. <laughs> you mean Boodadoo Cumberboodle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I do mean him. I'm trying to remember another joke. I'm pretty sure you could just make one up. Yeah, it's just the the buh sound and then the kuh sound and then you're good. You just need you need the right amount of syllables though. You're yeah. Bunny Hill Cabbage Patch. <laughs> Perfect. Bunny Hill Cabbage Patch. Don't you mean Bunny Hill Cabbage Patch? Yeah. Okay. He's he's great in Sherlock. So, uh, I think that's all we can talk about without any spoilers, Zach. So, uh. Yeah, if you want to find me uh, on Twitter, I am at St- not Stephen Barry. That is N O T Stephen with a V, not a P H, and then Barry like a fruit. Not Barry like a grave. Not Barry like uh, B A R R Y. Not that which either. is a thing I've had. I the thing I've had happen several times. I've been Stephen Barry before. <laughs> and on that note, I am at the puns guy. Uh, you can just find that. I'm not going to spell it all out. You can find it in the description, show notes. <laughs> this isn't YouTube. Oh, yeah. I suppose we could do that. <laughs> and don't forget to stick around after, right now, to hear some spoiler-filled talk on Arrival and Doctor Strange. Don't be afraid to subscribe and comment on our show on iTunes. It super helps us out. And Google Play Music, I think. That's a thing now, right? Yeah. Overcast, Overcast, um, Pocket Casts is a thing now. Dog Catcher. Uh, Dog Catcher is, are there others? I'm sure there are others. Wasn't there like a Scrabble.fm or something? Does that do podcasts? Probably. No one uses that. No one uses that, I promise. If you use that, I'm sorry. (laughs) See you next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) There were too many syllables in that one word. So, tell me something that you just loved about Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange, like I said before, the my probably my favorite bit was not super spoilery. It was just the way that every few frames looked like they just ripped out a comic book page and a- animated it, essentially. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's weird because a lot of the different things that I noticed were the things that I've read a couple like Green Lantern comics before and they were the things that I just really did not like about the Green Lantern comics. 
were the different framing angles that they do. And I think part of that is that they feel like they should be moving. And so once Marvel translates that into a movie, then it is moving. Hmm. All right. Oh, yeah. So that was probably my favorite part of Doctor Strange. But overall, it was really good. A lot yeah. of, you know, uh, philosophical implications in there. Just makes you think, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so Arrival is the next thing on yes. my list. I loved Arrival. I think it deserves all the awards because it is sci-fi and it is beautiful. Um, I, I, I just liked everything about it. The suspense, the way that it presented the story, the making, for just making linguistics interesting was awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. I saw it at my college and they actually had a linguistics professor stand up and talk about the movie a little bit before they jumped into it. So all he really said was like, it's really neat that they made a movie about linguistics. But it was still interesting to get his thoughts because he did say that like, really, this is a lot of the stuff that we do as linguistics yeah, right. majors. Linguisticists? That's not the right word. Uh, no, I mean... Linguisticsers. Yes, that's it. This movie made me think and surprised me more than any other movie I have seen in recent memory. When we saw those uh, clay figures of the uh, aliens in her flashback, her flash forward or whatever you want to call it, I was like, oh my god, the kid predicted the future. Wait, what? No, what? No, no, that didn't happen. Oh my god, she sees the future. And that, yeah. that, that got me. I did not see that coming. I, the the first flash in time or whatever it was perception shift was I believe or the first one that you noticed was her jumping back to or God jumping ahead to when her daughter is with her and she's explaining to her why daddy is upset yeah um and I was really confused because I thought that the entire thing up to then had been a flash forward in like the course of a couple seconds and so like because she was acting like she was really confused and out of it which is understandable but i thought it was because she just lived this whole life push through the future or her current future and then she comes back and she's like whoa this is what's gonna happen we need to prepare but it had nothing to do with preparation Hmm. at all it does a really good job of like you see the daughter die um and you see Amy Adams, right? Is that who? I'm pretty sure. I, you the see the main character. You see the main character react to that, and then you see her be kind of living a lonely life. Yeah. And that just kind of translates in your head to this happened in the past. She's living in a lonely life now because of this thing that was happening. Yeah. And yeah, it was really good. Um, I would give it the award. For best motion picture, the Oscars have not happened yet as of the recording of this podcast, but its main competition is going to be La La Land, which deserves it. Which also, it is as good as Arrival. I'm not going to get into spoilers for this one because Zach hasn't seen it yet. And I think it's going to win just because it's Hollywood people voting about a Hollywood, or a movie about Hollywood. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, I... I have, like, very few opinions on the Oscars, honestly. I'm not entirely sure when the Oscars are. I don't... I'm not either. I'm pretty sure they haven't happened yet. They're in the future. I know that the nominees came out, and so that's why we're talking about them, but... Yeah, Uh, there there are good movies being made, and that's all that I I care about. Yes, definitely. I love me a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, well, it was good talking to you, Zach. 
It's good talking to you too, Stephen.